I'll say that again. Pray when you feel like praying. Pray when you don't feel like praying. And pray until you feel like praying. And just to let you guys in on a little secret. Until you learn how to do that. You won't you won't get where you need to get in God until you learn that. Because a lot of you guys, you guys wait until you feel like it. And that that's precisely the problem is you can't wait until you feel like doing something. See, what you have to learn is in the Holy Ghost, in your relationship with God, there, are, there will be times where the Holy Spirit will initiate the prayer. And that's, that's especially during times where there's an urgent need. There's an urgent need for, for you or maybe for someone else that God is aware of that you may not be aware of. And so the Holy Spirit will prompt you to pray. And when He prompts you to pray, you need to be sensitive to that. Because tragedy may be awaiting you hours ahead. Does that make sense? Tragedy may be awaiting you days ahead. A temptation may be awaiting you ahead. And what you need to do is to incline your heart to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. First of all, be, be sensitive enough to know when the Holy Spirit is prompting you to pray. And as He prompts you to pray, for you to actually obey. Because if you don't obey, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Amen. So if you're not going to obey the Holy Spirit and and petition to Him exactly what He's been placing on your heart, then you cannot expect to see any difference. And what gives me the, the confidence to say that is the Word of the Lord tells us that. He tells us that you won't have if you don't ask. And he also tells us that we won't have if we ask doubting. Does it not say in James chapter 1 verse 5 that it says that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Amen. I'm waiting for some buy-in from the rest of y'all. Man. This thing won't stop bleeding. Um, <clears throat> still waiting for some of uh, for the rest of you to say amen. How many of you know that we have to not be double-minded? And you know how you know how double-mindedness sets in. Double-mindedness sets in when you 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 have your mind set on two different things. You have your mind set on two different things. You, you, you're mindful of the word of the Lord, but then you're also mindful of what it is that is attacking you. It may be a Goliath that is intimidating you, so you look at the threatening and then you look at the promises and you waver back and forth between the two. Amen? And it's like Peter who gets his eyes fixed on the storm. You have to avoid looking at the storm and calculating the the magnitude or the threat of that storm, and you got to focus entirely on the Lord and what He has said and what He has promised. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, 
uh, when we uh, we have to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and what He says, right? Oh man, y'all ever ever have one of those? <laughs> Your nose is bleeding; it just won't stop. It's like a sensitive spot, and it just keeps dripping and dripping. Oh man! Uh, it, it will stop by itself. What, um, when you uh, touch it, uh, fresh uh, blood drop uh, comes out. So just leave it. So just avoid it. Own. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll go ahead and just do that. <laughs> Thank you. Um. <clears throat> But there's, there's something that I wanted to talk to you guys uh, very briefly before we get into prayer. Um, well, first of all, I want to give a testimony. I want to give a testimony. Um, as you guys know, I shared a prayer request some time back. And the prayer request was for our brother, uh, Mandender. I hope that you don't mind that I share this, uh, brother, but... Um, I, I don't know the whole stories. I don't know the entire details surrounding, uh, the story and background and everything. Uh, but to my knowledge, there were some, uh, individuals from his past that were troubling him that, uh, you know, were, uh, involved in gangs and stuff like that. And, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken and correct me if I'm wrong, one of them had, um, uh, threatened him and, uh, uh, was what trying to even, you know, murder you. Is that correct, brother? <clears throat> yeah. I tried to, wow. Two attempts to, to kill him. <clears throat> and, um, well, um, we, we were, you know, he told me about it to keep him in prayer. And I'm especially concerned because of the fact that, you know, he has a, he has a, uh, a wife and kid, you know, a child. And, uh, not that if he didn't have them, like it would matter any less, but as a father, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a huge fear. That someone would, you know, take the life of of a father, uh, who who you know who has kids. So we were praying. <clears throat> he reached out to me and started praying about this. And um, and the reason why I'm sharing this number one to give glory to God, and number two as a point for uh, teaching and instruction. And uh, well, we just I just started praying that the Lord would judge him, and the Lord would. Uh, exact vengeance on him and that God's hand would be against him and fight against him and uh, I prayed earlier that day and then I, I don't recall exactly what time Brother Manager had reached out and shared um, uh, that he that man was arrested for murder and um, so it was you know hours after having prayed and just declaring that the Lord would repay him according to his iniquity. And uh, and so that story came back. 
And I praise God for that. I didn't I don't praise God for the life that was lost, but I praise God because he could have gotten away. Wow. He could have gotten away. Amen. Because there are there are murderers who do. They they get away for their iniquity, they get away for their sin. But how many of you know that God is able to actualize things in this world and it doesn't matter who it is that is against us. It doesn't matter who it is that's trying to hide stuff. You can't hide from the eyes of him who sees all things. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit. It says, and it says, and uh, it, it is um, uh, it, judging the dis- and discerning the heart. And, and it says, um, to him who, uh, to him, uh, to whom we must give an account, right? The word of the Lord, it says nothing else, nothing in all of creation is hidden from his sight. Amen. He's the judge that sees all and he judges rightly. And, and so, you know, some of us think that God only judges until, uh, you know, people go to hell. That's false. That, God don't judge until we, until everybody goes to hell. God judges people now. Amen. Amen. Jesus says, "Now the, the the that the devil is judged." That's what he said in John. He says, "Now the prince of this world is judged." That's what he said. It says, "Those that don't believe," it says, "they're already condemned." Well, how can they already be condemned if there's no verdict? But there is a verdict. And so God, He judges now. Now the the reason why I want to bring that up, you know. Is because to encourage our hearts. And you know, some of us might think, "What what is in, what exactly is encouraging about hearing about judgment?" Well, what's well? I'll tell you what. You have someone try to murder you, and and see how how comforting judgment is, right? <laughs> you you have someone to try to take your life, and and then the, the the scriptures in the Word of God that testifies to judgment and justice and vengeance. Now you begin to see how comforting those verses are to you. Amen. But when when there are verses that we don't feel are relevant to us, they don't mean very much. But once they become relevant to us, they seem to leap off the pages and speak directly to our spirit. Amen, somebody. Amen. <clears throat> now, um the 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 quick point that I wanted to I wanted to uh use to to teach on this so I've talked about it before, but I wanna, I really want us to understand um, that it is biblical to pray that way. And the, the reason why I, I bring this up from time to time is because we've been conditioned in our modern church to believe that we shouldn't be praying that way. We've been conditioned by uh, the American church to be, to believe that we should not be praying in that fashion, but that's just patently false. Okay, now, um, let, I, I want to quickly turn to Luke chapter eighteen. 
I want to quickly turn to Luke chapter 18 and show you guys something. Just so you know that I'm not making this up. You know, I had this sister in the Lord uh, I'm friends with on Facebook. She, uh, my cousin is, I believe, her mentor. And uh, she, they, they robbed her church. Her and her husband's church. Complete, completely had taken everything. And uh, she she said something on Facebook about, uh, you know, that she needed help. I mean, she made it kind of like a joke about it because she posted a conversation she had with her husband. And it went something like uh, her, her her husband said uh, that she uh, he prayed, uh, I'm praying that the Lord forgive them for they know not what they do. And she said, I'm, I'm not praying that because they do know what they're doing. And uh, and she's like, am I wrong? And now I think contextually, uh, depending on the context, that might be true, right? For us to pray uh, that the Lord forgive certain people. Now, y'all following? I just wanna I wanna make sure that we're all we're all paying attention. Everybody still here? I said I want to encourage that we eliminate any distractions. So I, I don't want us to be on social media or lollygagging or frolicking around you know doing other stuff thank you for the informing me just helps me understand help me help me know that you guys are on base um <clears throat> it says it says uh now jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do right you got you all can remember that prayer but do you know that jesus was saying that to he didn't pray that for the pharisees he did not pray that for the Pharisees. He's prayed that for the Romans. You know why? Because the Roman soldiers were doing what they knew they should be doing. Because on an average day, to put someone on a cross was to be executing capital punishment. So they were just obeying. And now capital punishment is biblical. It's not a law of Moses thing. God said that Cain should have his blood shed because of him having murdered Abel. And then he cried out to the Lord, please have mercy on me, please. He says, okay, okay, since you cried out for mercy, I'll put a mark on you so that they won't exact judgment. So mercy does triumph over judgment, but it only triumphs over judgment for those who cry out to mercy. Does that make sense? It all, mercy only triumphs over judgment for those who cry out for mercy. Okay, now, capital punishment, that is to say, if, if someone murdered someone, their life should be taken. Doesn't mean that anybody can take their life. It has to be done orderly, and it has to be done by the law. Okay, the law is the one who has the authority to do that. So here are the Roman soldiers obeying the law, and they didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't read the Torah. They didn't read the law. They didn't, re they didn't have any of these promises. So this was an average day. And they think that they're just doing something that was right. You know, executing capital punishment upon someone that was, uh, for all they knew, was trying to uh, revolt against the Romans. Uh, revolt and establish his own kingdom. In an earthly way. And, and because they were believing the report of the Jews. Okay? So, 
and this is why Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, he said, um, the one that handed you over to me has the greater sin. Why was their sin greater? Because Pontius Pilate didn't know. Pontius Pilate wasn't sinning against the law. He didn't have the law. The law wasn't given to the Gentiles. The law was given to the Jewish people. So they knew that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. That's why the Pharisees committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because they knew that Jesus was the Christ and still resisted the conviction of the Holy Spirit and put Jesus on the cross willfully. That's why it says in Hebrews, if we continue willfully sinning, there remains no sacrifice for sins. Well, that's what the Pharisees did. They knew. And so Jesus wasn't praying for the Pharisees. He was praying for the, praying for the Romans. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Does that make sense? And I can point you in 1 John chapter 5, um, where John says, for the sins that are leading to death, don't pray for those people. Y'all following? Is this a hard pill to swallow or... <clears throat> Amen, somebody? Are we are we uh, just waking up or um, babe if you can find that verse I want to show them so they know I'm not just making stuff up it's in 1st John chapter 5 and John says um, so so that you guys again know that I'm not just teaching something false First uh, John chapter five verse sixteen it says, "If if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life." I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not. I am not saying that you should pray about that. Do you see that? It's there in black and white. So John is saying, yeah, those people who, who, who are in death and they're continuing the sin, don't pray for them. What? Didn't, was, it not the, was it not the Lord who said, look, even if Daniel and Samuel and Noah stood before me as intercessors, I would not hear them. Okay, so you know, if you ever you ever see on uh, uh, on Instagram, people say, "Hey, pray for them," you know, from for some very wicked people, very wicked people, and uh, we, they'll say, "We well, just got to pray for them," and and I say, you know, I, "I'm not," you know, I'm not gonna pray for everybody. Do you guys think I'm making stuff up? I mean, it's right there, right? It's right there in the verse. If you want to read it so you can see that it's there. So John is saying, look, there's a group of people. Pray for them. There's another group of people. Don't. Don't waste your time. And see, but what what have we been taught? We have been taught this unconditional sort of just pray for everybody. Someone punches you. Someone threatens to kill you. Right? Someone sabotages your life and your family and just, you know, no. 
There are some people I will pray for, and there are some people that I will pray against. Does that make sense? You know, remember in the book of Acts, remember Simon the sorcerer? And uh, and he says, the apostle Peter said, your money perish with you. Is that not in your Bibles? If we, if we read our Bibles, I hope we do. And I'm not talking some obscure passage in the Old Testament. I'm talking about the book of Acts. I'm sure we've all read the book of Acts. At least I hope we have. Right? And what did Apostle Peter tell Simon the sorcerer? He says, your money perish with you. For you're still in the gall of bitterness. And then what did Simon the sorcerer say? Pray for me. That, that this would not happen to me. And Peter said, no. Basically, you pray for yourself. Peter didn't even pray for him. He says, you pray for yourself. That God would have mercy on you. Peter declined. Peter rejected. You know, thank you, brother Aiden. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna have us actually go to that verse too. And this is a. Let us read it. Uh, it's in uh, Revelation chapter six, verses nine through eleven. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then what was the response? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they were, uh, they themselves had been. And what you find later on in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints that were offered up as incense filled up the bowl and God exacted vengeance upon the earth. But where was their prayer for mercy? Where was their prayer that God would save them or God would bring revival? See, you know that sometimes your prayer for the salvation of others is actually against the will of God and not in accord with the will of God? Amen. Let me say that again. You know your prayer for the salvation of certain people may actually be against the will of God and not in accord with His will. Now, I'm not saying get trigger happy with this. Because there are times that the Holy Spirit will tell you, no, you need to pray for that person. They don't know. They think they're doing right. All they have been taught was witchcraft from the time they were, you know, they don't know. They've never even heard the gospel. So how could they know? How could they repent? Right? So I'm not saying that this is for all the time. But nonetheless... There are those times where the Lord will say, no, you need to pray in this way. Their iniquity has been filled up to the brim of the cup. And, and now I, I will pour out my justice. <clears throat> Amen. But look at uh, Luke chapter 18. And we'll, uh, we'll come to a close after this. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. <clears throat> he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, 
Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his elect, for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Amen. So there are two main points that we're learning from this. Number one, Jesus wants us to always pray and not faint. That's number one, importunity in prayer. But what is the theme of the prayer? The theme of the prayer or the petition of the prayer is for justice. Do you see that? And 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 so this and now notice the widow was to receive justice not when she died, not when she went to heaven and then on judgment day, um, you know everybody will get what they deserve. No, he says that it will come to her quickly. Now, if it is to come to her quickly, how is after her death quick? It was to occur in her lifetime. So she was saying, God, give me justice against my adversary. Do you see that? What was she praying? Oh, Lord, no, I don't really care about the situation. I'll just suffer the harm. She, that wasn't what she was asking. She was asking, Lord, give me justice against my adversary. Do you see that? So some people say, well, how is that forgiveness? No, you're misunderstanding. See, <laughs> in the scriptures where it talks about forgiving one another. It's talking about brother against brother, sister against sister, sister against brother. That's why in Matthew 18 it says, if you have an ought against your brother, take it to him. So we should not be praying justice on our brother. We forgive our brother. We release those debts to our brother. We, 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 we don't, we don't hold it against our brother or sister. Those are, they're the family of God. Their sins have been forgiven on the account of Christ's blood. But when it comes to people who want to sabotage your life, it's not this personal ought you take to yourself. It's a love for justice and a love for God's judgment on earth. There's a difference between taking a personal ought and, and and taking matters into your own hand and being vindictive or when things happen to you, you entrust judgment unto the Lord. That's why it says that if your enemy does something against you, it says don't do anything. It's, it says for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. God don't want you to repay. God says for him to repay. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. You guys are a bit hard to, to speak to this morning. <laughs> I feel like your gears are grinding like, man, I don't want to receive this. But it's there in the text. And the reason why I'm bringing this up again is so that we learn, hey, this is biblical. This is a biblical way of praying. I can't tell you how many times I prayed in the way that I've prayed and God answered it. And guess what? It wasn't for my it wasn't for them to be blessed. And it's happened so many times where it's beyond coincidence. If that's a, if that's a response that you want to give, well, this is just coincidence. Does that make sense? 
So, um, <coughs> remember this, and I'll come to a close here. God hasn't changed. God has not changed from old to New Testament. There, God changes not. Isn't that what the what the word of the Lord says? I am the Lord. I change not. If God doesn't change, then my brothers and sisters, what would lead us to the conclusion that he has somehow rejected this form of praying? We see it all throughout the Old Testament. And we see it in the New. Jesus cursed a fig tree. Paul cursed a, 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 a warlock. He says in Second uh, Timothy, Alexander the coppersmith did me a great evil. The Lord repay him. He didn't say, "Lord forgive me." He said, "Lord." He says, "The Lord." Will, he says, "Lord repay him." Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is it's a benefit for you all. This is what warfare praying looks like, my brothers and sisters. Look. Uh, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, if I'm not mistaken. See, we're praying against, you know, see, we're praying against things in the air. And we wonder why things aren't changing. See, you have to pray strategically against the people that are hosts of wickedness. Right? Because the demons are limited Unless they can choose a vessel to ex to to uh, so they can use a vessel to bring about their wickedness, does that make sense? And there are people who have come into full agreement with those demons. They know what they're doing. They love those demons and they hate God and they hate you. And they will not repent. They trampled under the blood of covenant and treat it as if it's common unholy. They're haters of God. And God gives them up to a debased mind. God gives them up to a reprobate mind. Does that make sense? And so this is warfare praying. I know it's not popular. I know people don't teach on it. I know it's not in common you know, books, Christian books in the bookstore. But it is biblical. Cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> I hear crickets. I'm driving for that. Thank you for that <laughs> reminder. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I want you all to be, uh, I want you all to be strengthen my brothers and sisters i want you all to be delivered from things i want you all to be delivered from situations i want you all to be delivered from the hands of the wicked you know why and this this teaching really comes out of a heart of love because i love you all and i don't want you to have to endure unnecessary cruelty I don't want you to have to endure unnecessary things from 
people who hate you and hate your family. This may not apply to you today. But if you live if you live godly in Christ Jesus, there will come a day when it is this this will apply to you. And you'll say, I, I know what he's talking about now. Amen. I know exactly what he's talking about. And I need to pray accordingly. I'm not going to allow for my family and for my life, for my ministry, for everything I've built to be sabotaged by someone who is a is an instrument of Satan. I'm not going to allow for me to, on my watch, to see Satan use other people to sabotage the innocent and 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 are who are the people who are treacherous and bloodthirsty and don't care about women, don't care about children, and want to see want to prey on them and 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 exploit them and rape them and pillage them. No. No way. No way. And uh, and God will answer you. God will answer you. You believe that? That God hears you? God will answer. God loves justice. God loves justice. This is this is who he revealed himself to be. It says, "I the Lord loves justice and righteousness." See, this this is the Lord who loves righteousness, loves justice. But the problem, my brothers and sisters, is today we have presented a Jesus that doesn't exist. We have presented a Jesus that doesn't care about his people, that, that almost as if his people have just been created to be doormats. Have been created to be the the, the dirt uh, 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 under which people walk on and trample under. No, Jesus said this: "It's the salt that lost its savor is what's trampled underfoot by men." Amen. The word of the Lord says in Matthew: "It says the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit it, not the wicked." Is that not in the scriptures? Matthew chapter 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. In Psalm 27, or it might be Psalm 37, it says, you know, uh, don't fret, for though you see the wicked, it will only be for a little while, for they shall be taken out of the land of the living. And that's what Jesus is quoting the Psalms, and it's, it, where it says the meek shall inherit the earth. Look at Lot. Look at, right? The Lord was going to destroy Nineveh. The Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord destroyed the world during the days of Noah. It was the Lord who was pleased to do this. Why? Because he told Adam to take dominion. He didn't take he didn't tell Nebuchadnezzar to take dominion. He didn't tell Nero to take dominion. He didn't tell Pontius Pilate to take dominion. He told Adam to take dominion, but he failed and he forfeited his territorial rights, and so Jesus came as the second man Adam. In fulfillment of Psalm 2, where it says, He shall inherit the nations. Amen. That's what the word of the Lord declares. But what do we have today? This weak, limp-wristed, jelly-back Christianity that says, Go ahead and allow the LGBT to take all the world while you sit passively by as this cowardly, timid, 
pacifist. Amen. No. No. I will not sit by. I will not sit idly by. I will not sit at ease in Zion and allow them to take it. Allow pornography to be legal and pervasive. Or allow abortion to be legal and pervasive. No. What, what did God tell Elijah to come against the prophets of Baal? That's what the Lord told Elijah. And what did he do? He, he said, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. What is fire representative of? It's representative of judgment. Does it not say in Hebrews in the New Testament, it says, our God is a consuming fire? It says it's a fearful thing to be held in the hands of the living God, for our God is a consuming fire. So when Elijah prayed for fire to come down, what was he praying? He was praying fire on the prophets of Baal. This is why we pray fire on Planned Parenthood. We pray for the judgment of Planned Parenthood. Say, God, arise. May your enemies be scattered. Hear this petition. May it not be any longer. How long, O Lord, that the blood of the innocent shall be shed. Arise, O God. And may justice and righteousness come down as the mighty waters. Make every crooked place straight. Exalt every valley and bring every mountain low. Amen. <clears throat> and so 